whatever means necessary. Do you believe that? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Summer of wisdom. Summer of wisdom. We've been coming out of the book of Proverbs. And, uh, and so we're going to continue that all summer long. And how many of y'all believe you've received a little bit of wisdom this, this summer? Yeah, all three of you. That's good. <laughs> that is awesome. Glad to see that we're growing and moving forward. Uh, but, you know, Summer of Wisdom, we're, uh, the book of Proverbs is an awesome book. And, and, you know, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So you can read one a day and you read the book every month. You'd be wise like Solomon was wise. And uh, <clears throat> so it's, it's just a really good book to read, and I hope you've all been in it and uh, checking it out. But today I want to talk about, uh, I guess the title of my message will be Overcoming a Critical Spirit, coming out of the book of Proverbs. That's good. Don't be critical of that title. <laughs> it's a good title. Overcoming a Critical Spirit. We live in a world where everyone has an opinion and a platform has been created to share that opinion. See, I was a part of a world, half of my life, literally half of my, maybe a little more than half of my life, was lived in a world where if you had an opinion, you would have had to either walk over to your neighbor's house and tell them, or write a letter to the editor, and nobody really cared, right? Um, but nowadays, we live in a world where everyone has a platform to share their opinion. This is simply given the, the, the and, and see what people would say is, well, man, people judge and criticize like never before. No, judgment and criticism has always lied within the hearts of man, right? Ever since the fall. I, I mean, we, we, we judge and we criticize ever since the fall, ever since the garden. We just now have a platform to, to expose this thing. It's, 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 this is simply given judgment and criticism that has always been in the hearts of men, the opportunity to be exposed like never before. This critical spirit doesn't just exist on the internet or in the world, but it's running rampant in the church. How many of you know? It, 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 it hurts the body of Christ. It hurts God's people. It hurts families. It hurts church members. It hurts pastors. It's... it's uh, Really, truly, and I, I, I know that I can say this because I've seen it in my own life, it's out of control, right? It's, it, uh, it's tearing and ripping through lives and families and churches, and, and it hurts the body of Christ. Here's my definition of a critical spirit or judgment. So you don't, this, this, is, this is my definition. I made this up. This isn't Mr. Webster or uh, anybody else. This is Colby Hill's definition of a critical spirit or, or judgment um, in the context of what I'm talking about today. It's when you habitually and obsessively take it upon yourself to look at someone else's circumstances and listen, and make a full interpretation based on partial information to make you feel better about your situation. Right? All those shuns, you know it's from the Lord. So that's that's, it, it rhymed. I'm going to read it again. When you habitually and obsessively, have, you don't have to raise your hand at all, ever. You don't have to say amen during the sermon. It's okay. But rhetorical question, how many of you have ever found yourself obsessing, obsessing over the faults of others, right? I mean, I mean, just like, just like this is all I, when, when I meet somebody, I, I, can, I can immediately pick out their faults whenever I see someone. I mean, this critical spirit 
it, it, it begins to take over our thoughts. And we take it upon ourselves to look at someone else's circumstances and make a full interpretation based on partial information to make you feel better about your situation. It's a critical spirit. Proverbs uh, 25.8, that's the, the proverb that I'm coming out of, and it's so good. It's, it's, it's what began my, my train of thought on this whole, uh, whole message. Proverbs 25.8, uh, the, the message Bible, it says this, and, and we're going to read this verse a lot throughout the, the message. Proverbs 25.8, don't jump to conclusions. There may be a perfectly good explanation for what you just saw. Don't raise your hand if you've ever jumped to conclusions. (laughs) All of us. Wow. Wow, good. Don't jump to conclusions. There may be a perfectly good explanation for what you just saw. Now, the critical spirit in you just disagreed, just just rebuttaled me and said, well, maybe there's not. (laughs) Right? Maybe there's not. Well, maybe there is. The Bible just so happens to say that. I was reading my Oswald Chambers devotional. I think it's uh, June 17th. He did one about being critical. And he says this. He says, the average Christian is the most piercingly critical individual known. The average Christian is the most piercingly critical individual known. He also said this. Stop having a measuring stick for other people. There's always at least one more fact which we know nothing about in every person's situation. If I could kick myself in the face, I would. I'm telling you, that is so good. I mean, there's always at least one more fact which we we know nothing about in every person's situation. So that's why, remember, uh, critical spirit is making a full interpretation based on partial information. And eventually, the the Lord will expose in your heart it was because you want to make yourself feel better about your situation. You know, we can look at at judgment and and criticism and, and look and see what Jesus said about it. And Jesus made it real simple. Jesus didn't complicate the subjects at all. You know, there's some things in the Bible that you have to like pray about and God has to reveal to you and you need revelation. You need your spiritual eyes open, the scales to fall off. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about? There's some stuff that's kind of, it's a little like hard to understand. So you really got to pray through it fast, read, study. I mean, spend some time rolling that thing over. Jesus didn't make that the case with judgment and criticism. He said this, do not judge. He made it real simple. He made it real simple. He was just like, hey, hey, that, 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 that judgment and criticism, the, 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 the flesh longing to look at somebody else's situation and make a full interpretation based on your partial information, he made it real simple. Just don't do it. Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. I love the way it says it in the Message Bible, Matthew 7. It says, don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has its way of boomeranging. All that stuff that we're slinging out there. 
it has its way of making it back around and showing us what's actually in our hearts. So really, truly, well, I'm not going to say that yet. So I just want to give you a few, few signs about these are just thoughts. This is just, uh, you know, for almost 15 years, I've been talking to people and meeting people and praying with people. And, 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 and this is just some things that, that I've seen, uh, five things that I've seen. There's way more than five things, but just, just to get us thinking and allow God to maybe stir some things in us. Like, God, is this something that I'm dealing with? Because I don't want to be part of, uh, a part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be one of the things that's shredding the body of Christ. I don't want to be one of the things that's stopping growth in the church. I don't want to be one of the things that's stopping the kingdom of God from moving forward in my life, my family, my church, my area. I want to be life to everybody I come in contact with. Signs of a critical spirit. Number one, obsessively finding fault with others. We've talked about that. Number two, place more value on people's shortcomings than their good qualities. You know, I think we've missed out. I have missed out on, on, on people in my life that maybe God sent to be a blessing because all I could see was their shortcomings. But how many know we all have them? Like we all have them, but what we do, what the Spirit does is it says, well, theirs are worse than yours. What the Spirit does is it says, if you'll notice theirs, then maybe nobody will notice yours. Right? This is a fun message. <laughs> Place more value on people's shortcomings. Some of y'all married somebody because you placed a lot of value on their external right? And you didn't marry the dude that had a mole on his cheek. And now you're like, man, that guy with the mole on his cheek, at least he had a job and was nice, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I was talking about me. Thank God my wife did not have a critical spirit in that area. Jesus. Boy, she looked past it all and saw the glory. Amen. Hmm. Number three, having trouble, listen, having trouble forming and maintaining relationships. Think about that. If, if, if you habitually and obsessively focus on people's faults, then you are going to have trouble forming and maintaining relationships because anybody that you get close to beyond high or by is, is going to get on your nerves, because like, like, like a bunch of sore thumbs sticking out, red flags, their, their, their faults and their shortcomings and the, their, the difficulties that they have in certain areas will be magnified in our eyes as we look at their lives. And whenever they want to come over for dinner, you're thinking, Jesus, anything but that. <laughs> but we're supposed to be the church. There are some people in this room that can't go to small group Because that's getting close to people and your critical spirit will not allow you to enter into a real relationship with people, right? Because spending an hour, an hour and a half with somebody is more than your critical spirit will allow, right? Because you pull up and you notice that the yard's not done, right? And that maybe the house wasn't perfect and that we just notice all the stuff and, 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 and it eats us up. But I'm, I'm speaking out of, of, of a, a, a reformed critical holic. 
a delivered. Are y'all with me? You see, I like this message because I don't feel like it hits one or two of us. I really feel like it hits all of us. Have trouble forming and maintaining relationships, right? And then when you do find the one person that passes the test, right? Like, like that's it. That's all, that's all we can do. Me and, right? Like, like it's, 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 this, it's this sick thing that a lot of us deal with. And it's hurting our, our position in the body of Christ. Number four, a sign is, is maybe you gossip a lot. Because a critical spirit starts as an inward conversation. But the conversation never stays inward, right? There's an inward dialogue. Come on, help me, Jesus. There is an inward dialogue happening within you all the time. And as you're smiling and shaking, right? There is this whole entire conversation happening within you. And see, this is where, this is where the Holy Spirit has to come into play. Right? Because only he can begin to dialogue within you in, within that conversation. Right? Like, like you met the guy and he had the mole and you're like, hey, Brian, how's it going? And you're like, oh, my God. Hey, you know, Sister Sally, you know, would you like to go get dinner? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I would love to. And in your mind, you're thinking, dude, that mole is nasty. <laughs> and you, you know, there's a hair. There's, you know, it's just, and you're having this whole dialogue within yourself. Right? And, 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 and it's this inward dialogue, but the dialogue eventually can't stay inward. It has to find someone else who will agree with the criticism that's taking point, which turns into gossip. Have you heard? Did you know? If you want a good message about gossip, go look uh, at, at Rachel's message. She preached about uh, taking back the chit-chat. It's exactly what it's about. So I don't want to preach that, but gossip, gossip. You find yourself constantly talking about people to other people, then you might have a critical spirit. Number five, you're controlling. You're controlling. You can't give up anything. Why? Because no one can do it as good as... Right? I know this. You know how many things I've done around this, this building or, or done at my house because I thought how many things I won't let my children, I'm hamstringing my kids, won't let them wash the dishes because I can wash them better because they'll screw them up because they'll be a little sticky. And then, and then you got a, a, a 25-year-old that doesn't know how to wash dishes all because of my critical spirit, right? Because we, we see, I love Craig Rochelle. He teaches if you find someone who can do something 60% as good as you can, then you need to release them to do it. Because here's the real truth. 60% is probably actually better. But in your mind, <laughs> how many of y'all know we, we, we think a whole lot more highly of ourselves than we probably should? Like, I guarantee you, okay, I'll, I won't say that. I let my kids wash the dishes now. I'm growing. I'm growing. Y'all, this is baby steps. This is, this is, you know, I've really been thinking about this is, is God wants to mature us, not in the, in the uh, spectacular things of life, right? The seen things of life. He wants to mature us in, 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 in the fact that we can release one of our children or, or a coworker or something to do something that, that, that we know or think that we can do better than them. Yo, this is maturity. This is like God's, I mean, yo, this is a move of God. 
See, I think the move of God isn't always what we think it is. I think we think the move of God is people all over the floor and glory clouds and, 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 and you know, things happening in a church building. But a move of God for me happens like at my house when nobody else is around. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let my 12-year-old wash the dishes today. I'm telling you, it took heaven and earth to get to that. Because of that critical, sick thing that, that's, that's, that, that, that controls So those are signs of a critical spirit. The results of a critical spirit. If you have a critical spirit, number one, you're going to have a superior attitude. A superior attitude. It's so, it's really, truly, it's just so gross when you think about the way this thing works, but it feels good to the one who's working it, right? It feels, it feels good in your flesh to think that I am better than somebody else. I could do that better than they can, right? I I know more than they know. It's always about a leg up. I need to be on top. Listen to me. When I was in school, that's all it was. It was a jockey for position 24-7. How can I be superior? As long as I'm up, then nobody can step on me. So I'm going to step on other folks so I don't have to get stepped on. Superior. It's a superior attitude. Jesus told the parable in the Bible, Luke chapter 18, verse 10. He said, two men went up to pray, one a Pharisee. Jesus wasn't too crazy about the Pharisees. And the other, a tax collector. That would have been like a a, a really bad sinner, right? A tax collector at that time, that would have been a cheat, a thief, a liar, a swindler. I mean, this would have been, this would have been a bad guy that people did not like or respect. You know, this is Uh, a a, a true sinner. He knew it. Everyone knew it. He wasn't ashamed. And this is who he was, right? So you've got this Pharisee and a tax collector. They go up to the temple to pray. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Wow. How many of us have done the same thing? God, at least. You know, I know I got a few problems, like one or two. But at least I'm not like that guy. Come on, think of that guy right now. I mean, you can think of him. Think of her. Think of him. The one you have no respect for. The one that is an outright open a blatant sinner. And you say, surely, surely I'm better than that guy. Surely I've got a leg up on that guy. And see, we, we, we may not be so bold to, 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 to say those exact words, but those words are in our heart when we're being critical of somebody else. That's what we're saying. 
if I see a fault in Terry and I'm and, and I and I can't and it just eats me up and I'm just like God I cannot believe that Terry has no hair. <laughs> Doesn't he know? Doesn't I cannot believe it. I mean that's obviously not something you would do, but we do that about people's situation. I can't believe. I mean, good God, I mean, at least I have a good head of hair. You know, at least, at least I, I think we do people, we, I think we do do that about physical appearances. You know, uh, uh, ladies, maybe you have that internal dialogue and you, you don't feel real confident about your body, but you get around somebody else with not quite a good one as you got and you go, at least I don't look like her. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? Guys don't do that. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. I mean, you know, it, at least I don't look like him. You know, at least, at least we're just, and if you're being critical of someone's outward appearance, you know you're being critical of their attributes, their personality, their difficulties, their faults. It brings us to a superior place. The second thing it does is it devalues what God values. When you're critical of others, it devalues what God values. We're actually saying that we are worth more than another human being. Is, are y'all following me today? When, 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 when we step into that place of judgment, to that place of criticism, and we believe that we have a leg up on somebody, we, we, we actually believe that we are more valuable than another human. We're more valuable. We place, we're, we stand in the place of, of, of placing values on people. Well, you know, they, they don't come to church as much as I do, so I'm probably, you know, got a, got a leg up on those people. You know, those people, they're not born again and they, they're, they're cussing and, and, and drinking and, and, and going to the clubs and, and golly, can you believe that? Or, 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 man, that person has come five times and said they were going to get right with God and they still can't do it. Tell you what, I've been right with God. Colby Hill, I've been right with God for a lot of years now. I, I, I determined that I am more valuable than the person or people that wrong us, right, that hurt us. We determine that we are more valuable than the people in our lives who have hurt us. And, and, and see, uh, the best quote I've ever heard about valuing others is, 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 is from, uh, I've preached this before, and it, it just really spoke to me on the way God looks at us is, is from Leroy, Leroy Morrison. He goes to church here. I don't know if he's in here. I don't see him. Yeah, Le, no, okay, he's back there. Hey, Leroy, how's it going? And, and so Leroy told me this. We went to buy that. We have a man lift, one of the lifts that lifts you up to the ceiling so we can do work up there. And we needed one. And uh, we were looking, and I found one on Craigslist for, for like $2,000. And it was in some tiny town uh, a million miles away. And me and Leroy load up with the trailer, call the guy, 
And he says, yeah, yeah, y'all come down. I'll sell it to you. And so we load up and we get there and we looked at it. Leroy, and I took Leroy because, you know, he knows about machines and stuff. And I, 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 we, we looked at it and, and the thing looks like a hunk of junk, but I didn't care what it really looked like. I just didn't know, did it work? And, and so Leroy looked at it and he said, that ain't worth $2,000. Not worth $2,000. It's going to need this, this, and this. It's not worth $2,000. And the guy said, well, that's what I'm selling it for. And Leroy said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you a thousand bucks for it. And the guy said, nope, it's, uh, it's worth $2,000. And Leroy said, it ain't worth $2,000. And the guy said, well, man, you can look all over the place. This thing's worth $2,000. And Leroy said, he, he, he said this, I'll never forget it. He said, sir, something is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Something is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And I, sir, the buyer, am here, and he didn't say it all classy like this, right? <laughs> I, sir, the buyer, am here, and I am willing to give you $1,000 for that machine. And the man said, well, I believe that it's worth more than that. And Leroy said, well, good day, sir. Good day, sir. There's an IHOP in town. We'll eat breakfast. And so, and, and I'm like, man, I, man, we should just pay... Leroy, maybe we should just pay 2000 bro. We came a long ways, man. Let's, we're, we're really going to walk out? Oh, we're just going to do a fake out. We're just going to fake him out, make him think we're walking out. Like, like, you know what I mean? But Leroy's like, no, come on, we're going back to LaGrange. And we walk out the door, and I'm like, are you sure? Maybe we should offer it. He said, no, this thing's only worth 1000 bucks." And uh, we get in the car, and we start it, and we begin to drive through the parking lot, and the, the man comes running out. Hey, 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 ho, ho, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I'll tell you what, if you'll give me 1100 bucks, you can take it home right now. And Leroy said, 1100 sold. We wrote him a check for $1,100, loaded up the lift and came home. And that day I learned that something is not worth what people say it's worth. Help me, Jesus. Something, <laughs> something is only worth what the buyer is willing to pay for it. And see, 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 I don't get to determine your value. I, I, I'm, I'm not your buyer. I did not purchase you. I didn't pay for you. I never done nothing for your eternal significance. I am nobody in your life. I don't set the value on humans because humans are worth what someone was willing to pay for them. And last time I checked, he didn't just pay for me. He paid for you. He paid for you. He paid for you. He paid for every single one of us. So who am I? Listen, this is what, we, this is, this is what God shows us. Okay, but, but he doesn't do it. He, you know what? If, if I was God... I would look at the critical people trying to set values on the things that I already paid for, and I would say, hey, jerk, come here, you little punk. Let me show you what's wrong with you. That's what I would do to the critical people. That's what I would do, right? But that's not what God does. Here we are devaluing what he paid full price for, right? He didn't get a bargain for us. He didn't get us. Listen, we weren't on the discount rack. Not one person. 
full price. I will pay full price, not just for the Christians, not just for the pretty people that dressed up to come to church on Sunday, not just for the ones that got it together. Jesus paid full price for all humanity, all humanity. And I don't, and you don't set the value for anyone. Now we got to be careful when we preach like that. You got to be careful when you preach like that because, because we, will, we will excuse judgment over those who have, who have severely wounded and hurt us. Well, you don't know what they did for me. And we believe that because we've never done that to our kids, we're worth more than the ones who did it to us. But if not setting value on human beings is the standard that we can have for, for, for somebody that we see once a week at church, then it has to be the standard that we have for the people who have done the most damage to our lives. So for some of us, that stirs stuff up in us because you're like, you're like, okay, I cannot judge my brother and I cannot criticize my sister and, and I, can, I, I can come to church and, 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 and try really hard to not judge anybody. Like, Jesus, I only see the good things. I only see the good things. I only see the good things. But don't talk about my daddy. That man deserves hell. Don't talk about my mom. Never even knew her. Don't talk about that person who did that heinous thing to me. Don't bring that up. In saying those things, listen, here's what we're doing. We're saying that we are more valuable than they are. But wait. What determines value? What someone's willing to pay for it. Jesus was willing to pay for you. My question to you, was he willing to pay for them or are they not included in the club? And I think that's really a lot of people's beef with Christianity. I think, I think that's, that's some beef with Christianity because that's tough. That's tough. God, there's no way that person could be as valuable as me. Yes, Jesus set the value for every rotten, heinous person and every self-righteous, pretty person. Jesus set the value and said, I will pay for all. Pay for everybody. So who are we to stand as if we are more valuable than someone else? And if it's happening in this room, right? If it's happening in church buildings and the world is coming to see something different. You know when people show up, they expect to see something different. They expect to see transformed lives. They expect to see, and, and, and they come and all they see, they're like, that's the same way the people at the bar treat each other. There's just no alcohol. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the way the people in my office talk about everybody. I, I, I was going to looking for freedom. I was going to looking for, for something real. Listen, listen, y'all. Christianity isn't what we're doing today. This, this isn't like some theory that we're meant to have. It's just some idea that we're meant to have. This, this is this is a life that God has created us to live. It's His life. It's the way that He lived. Can you imagine being God and walking on earth with man and not having a critical spirit? John chapter 8 will help seal the deal. John chapter 8, we find a woman caught in adultery. It says she was caught in the very act. 
in the very act of adultery. And it, and it says the Pharisees, they drug her out into the yard and they all picked up stones and they looked at Jesus. And they said, Jesus, the law commands that we stone this adulterer. What do you say we should do? They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to set him up. But you can't set Jesus up, but he can set you up, right? And, and, and so this, this woman, she's probably not even clothed, caught in the act. They probably didn't say, honey, get dressed. We've got to come out here and stone you. No, 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 no. She is weeping. She is broken. She is ashamed. She is naked. She is, she, she is literally just been brought out of an adulterous situation. Laying in the yard and they have the stones and they're like, Jesus, come on. She's an adulterer. She committed adultery. She, the law commands that she be stoned. What do you say do? I love what Jesus does. He doesn't have a critical spirit and he does not place judgment. Listen to what he does. I don't care if you know the story or not. It's good to read these stories more than once, yeah. right? Jesus says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We will stone someone today. And he says, I'll tell you what. He who is without sin, throw the first stone at that one. See, I think that they had come and they had handed Jesus a stone. And as he stood there with a stone, and he says, tell you what, the man without sin will get to crush her skull. The man without sin and the Holy Spirit one by one begin to convict their hearts, begin to open their eyes of their own faults. And the scripture says that one by one, they dropped their stone and they all left. And I love that the Bible includes the detail until Jesus was standing alone with this woman. Jesus with his stone. Jesus, the man without sin. Don't you know the Pharisees had backed up and they expected him to drop his stone too because nobody's perfect, right? But Jesus stayed announcing his deity, announcing he is the God-man. I am the one. I, I am the one, the only one who can cast a stone. And Jesus, he did the thing my dad used to do. I'd be batting. This is the way I imagine. You know, you imagine stuff in the Bible, right? Doesn't give us all the details. So you, but I used, to, I used to be playing baseball and I'd be batting and my dad would do this thing. He would, he would wind up as the pitcher, and he would drop the ball and then pretend to throw, right? And I'm like, that's what Jesus did, right? I don't know if that's what he did, but in my mind, when I play the Bible story, that's what happened. Jesus says, I am the man without sin. You filthy, adulterous woman, I am the one who can judge you. I am the one who can criticize you. Here, here is my stone of judgment. And instead of, he drops it and, Maybe fakes her out. She's, ah! And she opens her eyes and Jesus is standing there, not with a stone to knock her down, but with a hand to help her up. Amen. The only one, the only one who could criticize, the only one who could judge 
chose not to. And y'all, that life is the life that was given to us. You say, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know what, I, listen to me, don't go out of here and try hard to like people. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do. Don't go hard and be like, okay, I don't see them all, I don't see them all, I don't see them all, I don't see them all. Terry has hair, Terry has hair, Terry has hair, right? Don't do that, it's not gonna work. Terry, I love your head, I'm serious, I do. I don't know why that's what I'm on today. It's not going to work. You can't try to not have this thing. We have to say, God, I can't do this. These people are sticking out like sore thumbs. That's all I see. You, your life is the only life that was lived without judgment and criticism. I choose to partake of your life. I need the power of the Holy Ghost to walk into a room and not see the filth in it. That life is available to us. Jesus lived that life and he gave it to us. We partake of that life, the life that doesn't cast stones, but the life that says, let me, let me give you a hand up, not a shove down. That's the life that we partake of. Number three, a critical spirit exposes our own issues. It exposes our own issues. So that's why it's really not all bad. It's, it's one of the ways God is using us to lead us to himself. Because the day that your eyes are opened, the day that the Holy Spirit says, hey, let me, let me show you something real quick. You know that person that you can't stand? Let me just give you a little glimpse. In like a quick film strip, he will allow you to see that the one you can't stand is actually the one that you're a whole lot alike. Somebody said, help me, Jesus. Please don't make me be like them. <laughs> God, no, anything but that. Some of y'all don't trust me, so I'll read it from the Bible. <laughs> Romans chapter two, verse one through four. This is the Message Bible. It says, those people are on a dark downward spiral. But if you think that that leaves you on high ground where you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time, how many times? Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection of your own crimes and misdemeanors. God is not so easily diverted, though. He sees right through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. You didn't think, did you, that by pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he would let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. In his kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Y'all, your critical spirit might be the very thing that God wants to use to take you firmly by the hand. And it hurts at first. It hurts at first for you to begin to see that you are just like the folks that you have been condemning and criticizing. And you're like, Colby, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I've been saved for 20 years in the church, tithing. And, and you're trying to tell me I'm like the dude sitting in the bar. Yep. No, actually, I'm not. The Bible is. 
the Bible is. It could be the thing that he allows us to take us firmly by the hand and lead us into a radical life change. The people that we condemn and criticize are the people that are the most revealing to what we are really like. And, but the difference, y'all, I'm just learning more and more and more that like I need the Holy Spirit to be a Christian. This is a revelation, right? No, I'm, I'm, I do not want to be, I don't want to joke right now because like, because, because have you ever noticed, I'll, I'll do this situation. Have you ever noticed a, 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 a parent and their child, a parent and child situation and everybody in the room knows that that child is just like their parent? except for the parent and the child. I've been doing this for a long time, right? I've been doing this for a few years, talk to a lot of people, and they'll say, I hate my dad. And, I'm, and, and, and first of all, they'll look just like him. And I'm like, but maybe, and then you begin to have a conversation of the things that they hate or the things, same things that they're doing in their own family. You're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And y'all, it's like we are the only ones blind to the, to, the, to the gaping, listen to me, Matthew 7, if you keep on going out Matthew 7, Jesus says, why are you trying to take the speck of sawdust out of your brother's eye when you have a freaking, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said freaking in a sermon, a stinking, <laughs> a stinking two by six sticking out there. Brooke, will you come back to church? I said freaking in a sermon. I get worked up sometimes. A two by six hanging out of your own eye. Yeah, don't judge me. No, listen, and those of you online, I know, I know that I, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I love you. I love you. They'll write all kinds of stuff, and, and, and it's okay. I'm, I'm good with it. It's all right. Listen, what was I talking about? So I freaking. Y'all, why are we the only ones that can't see the two by six? Why are we the only, everybody in the room's like, oh, Lord. Oh, oh, do they, do they not really, do they not know? Like, do they not, can they not? No, they can't. And neither can you and neither can I. Holy Spirit has to take us in that, in that moment of awakening. And y'all, this isn't a bad moment. It's not bad to find out that you are actually like the people that you can't stand because finding out that you're actually like them is your first step to freedom. It's your first step to forgiveness. This isn't... This isn't bad news. This isn't bad news. You're not more valuable than your mother is. Right? This is, this is the, the, the awakening Holy Spirit saying, and he doesn't show you that you're like these people to hurt you. He shows you that you're like these people to show you that apart from him, we're all capable of all things. Right? Listen, 2 Samuel 12, 5, it's it's David and Nathan. I'll tell the story fast. David took Bathsheba from a good man named Uriah, and he slept with her, and then he had Uriah murdered so he could bring Bathsheba to live with him. And Nathan, God speaks to Nathan and says, I want you to go tell David a story. I want you to go tell David a story. And so Nathan, the prophet, he goes and he tells David a story. He says, hey, David. I'm going to tell you a story about lambs and sheep. David said, oh, I love a good story. And he says, there's a man in your kingdom. And this man was rich and he had an innumerable amount of sheep. And he had some friends come over and it was time to make, to make lamb chops. And instead of going and getting a lamb out of his own flock, 
He went to his neighbor's house, his poor neighbor's house, who only had one lamb. And he took his lamb and he made pork chops for his friends. And here's what the Bible says. 2 Samuel 12, 5. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. You see, you see, the goodness and mercy of God is, is screaming at us. We, we all have to have this moment whenever we look God in the face and he says, Hey, Colby, that person who you're so outraged about that they would live like that, that they would think like that, that they would believe like that, that they would hurt like that, the, all those people, Colby, yes, God, you are that man. You are that man. In our outrage towards others, the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to us and say, you are that person. Not so that he can crush us, but that so deliverance and freedom can become a part of our lives. I'm going to stop there and I have more. Maybe I'll finish it next time. Because I didn't get to how to overcome a critical spirit. That's terrible. Hmm. We're not critical. I, yeah, no, don't be critical. I'm going to finish this message another time. Is that okay? Yeah. There's more to it. I, I, I did. Listen, I don't want to leave you with you are that man. Oh my God, I'm that man. Now what do I do? I, I, I will... We'll, yeah, we'll do a part two. Is that, that's, okay. that's okay. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I love preaching, y'all. I mean, I could, seriously, y'all want to go another hour? <laughs> Rachel said no. I love the Christian. That's really, just, that's really wrong because that makes Christians lie. <laughs> you don't want to go another hour. Hallelujah. So, so, so we're, we're going to overcome this thing, Amen. We're going to overcome this thing. Got some more preaching to do. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Hallelujah. Critical. I want to talk to you about your value today. Your value. Your worth. What God says you're worth. Your worth. Let me, let me tell you what you're worth. You're worth Jesus. You're worth Jesus. You're, you're, you're worth you're, you, the, the price that Jesus paid. 